Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. And I guess we can only hope that this episode is worth the wait. It, it is Thursday. Our apologies, it's not Monday. It's Thursday, February 15th, 2018. Episode 143 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. We're coming up on the three-year anniversary of this goddamn thing. But you wow. know what? For the first time. In the history of this show, Ken Flo cracking a mic today as a dad, <laughs> father of the year already. So your wife, Clark, gave birth to a beautiful baby girl yes. Friday night. Yeah. I guess it was just after midnight Eastern time, about 9 p.m. or so Friday night. Ken Flo finally becomes a father, man. I'm getting chills and I'm not even I mean, unbelievable, man. How, how you doing? Good, man. I'm glad you told me it was Thursday. I don't know the year. I don't know who the president is. I feel like I feel like so much time has passed, dude, since the last podcast. It's crazy. So much has happened, man. Um, yeah, I was supposed to go actually do the uh, 221 um, post right. fight or pre and post fight show. Uh, I'm kind of getting ready for that. And, you know, Clark's water breaks and then I was like well you know sometimes it could take a day or two days mm-hmm. you know like am I gonna work here what's going on and then the contraction started and uh you know I'll help break loose I'll, I'll help broke loose we had to get everything ready like it was crazy it, it was it was pretty hectic even the drive to the hospital was almost like something out of a movie <laughs> you know like you get, oh, get, get to the hospital you know I had to get there as quickly as possible and it was in, like peak traffic hours in Los Angeles yeah. it was freaking me out Clark's in pain I have to pull over Every once in a while, because she's having like these oh, wow. crazy contractions, she had back labor, all this stuff. But um, in the end, man, it, it all came out uh, amazing. Uh, no pun intended. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, we got a baby girl, man. So uh, exciting times, exciting times. Uh, I'm very happy for you. I know the one thing I said as a father of two girls over the years was don't rush this thing, right? Because yeah. one life quickly segues and gives way to a second sure. life. And you should enjoy the hell out of that first Thank life you. because uh, forget sitting on the couch with your cell phone. I'm very happy for you. And yeah. that's a crazy story, man, driving to the hospital. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, you're a very skilled driver with a very fast vehicle. So uh, I'm not too worried about you. Now, I am uh, worried right. about your sleeping a little bit. I know yes. you're not a great sleeper to begin with. Right. Maybe that works to your benefit here. <laughs> um but it's just crazy, man. They drop a baby in your lap. And I know I, you guys wanted to get home as quickly as possible right. and rightfully so. But it's like, here, take this. It's yours. Yeah, we're we're taking this thing. We, could, yeah. we don't have to <laughs> sign anything. No, you guys really, there's no test that we got to take because I have no experience. But we're going to take I, this, home, this human being home with it. We have no, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like even when you take a puppy home and <laughs> it's know, really this, young, you you're sign just like, papers. are you sure you're entrusting us with yeah, this dog? And yeah. They're giving you a human being after about exactly. 72 hours. Zero so experience. good luck with that. Here you go. Take it. So real quickly, uh, for maybe some of our listeners that haven't gone through this as the non-birth giving party, right, yeah. as the man <laughs> in that room, I mean, were you brought to tears? Like how were your oh, emotions, yeah. right? Because I think my first time around, I was brought to tears. Right. Second time, I was like, can we just, you know, <laughs> can we just get this going? Okay, so uh, I don't know if my wife wants me to share this, but anyways, you know, she did a natural labor, so she's doing her breathing techniques. We're allowing, and with this back labor, it's really painful, right? So I'm like kind of holding her hips together, and kind of that's like helping her deal with this pain. And all of a sudden, I feel the baby drop like another level, like it just like, like I I, I felt almost like I was catching the baby a little bit. It didn't catch the baby, but I felt the drop into like another. I don't know, compartment of her stomach or whatever. Right. Uh, and I, I, I did. I started cry. I started crying at that point because I was like, oh, this sure. baby's coming. Wow, I just felt that. That was crazy. Uh, and then when the baby was actually being birthed, I was fine. I was I was pretty much had it together. But um, it, it's emotional, man. It, <laughs> it's amazing yeah. Yeah. what the human body can do. Um, and then just knowing that, you know, that's an expression of your love and, and, and you have this child now and uh, it's a part of you, literally, um, yeah. was amazing. Looking to your daughter's eyes, you know, when she was born w was pretty special, man. So uh, it, it just gives you a whole different perspective on life. Everyone would tell me that. I kind of understood what they what they said. Um, I probably am still understanding uh, what that means, and uh, I'm excited, man. It's, it's pretty fun. Well, I'm excited for you, and Clark, thanks for uh, for being a damn trooper. You know, it's weird. I, I sent her a She's message a on Instagram. Yeah. I sent her a message on Instagram for, from Australia. Uh, yeah. I don't know if she told you this. Just, you know, I'm on a different time zone than the rest of the world, so I was like, hey, good vibes from Australia. I know right. you've attacked this oh, pregnancy. You're going to crush the labor. Yeah. And then six hours later, they're pulling you off the desk for UFC 221. <laughs> I was like, did I incite this labor? I, I mean, I, did I expedite the process with my text That's funny. I, I didn't know I that. I, oh, I don't hilarious. think I wield that type of power, but it seemed like it happened. She replied to me right away, and then all of a sudden it was on. Wow. So. Awesome for you. The father-daughter thing is very powerful. And, and just have fun watching these movies now, right, when there's yeah. father-daughter stuff uh, yeah. on an airplane and try not to cry. I'm a fucking mess, okay? <laughs> like, I'm in an air, a Qantas airport lounge right. in Brisbane, Australia, uh, and I'm that guy crying in the corner. All right, uh, enough yeah. of that. Very happy for you, man, and uh, all the best over these next several Thank weeks you. and months when, when obviously there are a lot of challenges, but I know you'll attack it. Just tell Jason Hunt, man, like get back get back in the studio. Get back and may Rocky BJJ. Kenny can't teach all the classes. Uh, New father. Funny.
Uh, coming up today, recap of UFC 221. There are so many headlines to get to out of 221. Hopefully we can touch on them all. Um, good pay-per-view in, in Perth, Western Australia. And, you know, the flow baby actually is not the only reason why we are a little bit delayed this week. That that trip, bro, I know I was oh, texting man. you a little bit. I mean, so 70 hours of travel, 35 hours on each side, and I was on the ground in Perth for 56 hours. So, it and, you know, I don't use the word breathtaking very often in my vernacular, right? But this was a breathtaking place. My eighth trip to Australia, first time to WA on the west side, absolutely incredible. I mean, I'd love to live there, given right. everything that's going on in the United States. I don't know that I will ever get back there because mentally just wrapping your head around a trip like that is very hard for somebody like me. So thankfully, it's in the rearview mirror. We'll talk about everything that went down in Perth. Also, UFC has a fight night in Austin this coming Sunday night on FS1. Flo's picks on that in the main event challenge. Ray Longo going to be with us later today as well. And also, we will have the top 10 things you would text Kenny Florian after the birth of his daughter. So we thank the listeners for chiming in on that. Oh, Our first man. top 10 list coming up in about a half an hour. First, though, time for some time for some headlines. Headlines. It's time for headlines. I have some very urgent and important breaking news. Headlines. On the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Oh, Western Australia is so far away, Ken Flo. It is just so far from Miami, Florida. You yeah, can't get any further away. Uh, it did not seem to bother Yoel Romero, although I guess if you want to talk about Friday and the weight-cutting situation, maybe it did. Right. I'd prefer to keep the focus on the athlete and the performance. I will say that being on a different time zone from the rest of the world, it didn't seem like the ink was dry, so to speak, and that this fight was agreed to by both sides. Until 3 o'clock in the morning, Australia time, and Rockhold Romero, Kenny, finally fought about 1, 1.30 in the afternoon. But just crazy circumstances surrounding the fight. Maybe Romero had some reservations at one point in time in taking it. Rockhold finally got 30% of Yoel's purse because Romero, of course, weighed 187.7. Um, all of that, though, notwithstanding, Kenny, I, I hope we can at least shine the light on, on how special an athlete this is. The fact that he still went out and did this to Luke Rockhold. And uh, he might just be deserving of a title fight against Robert Whitaker, despite the fact that he didn't make weight for this eliminator. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, that that first fight uh, between Romero and Whitaker was fantastic. I would love to see a rematch, I think, with some adjustments. Romero can win that fight. Um, li listen, you know, as far as Romero, yes, he, this guy is explosive. Um, but more than anything else, he's a study in rhythm. If you're a fighter and you're watching Romero, it's fascinating to see the way that he moves, how he can move slow, and he kind of seems like he's not doing anything, and then he'll just explode with a blitz or a, a big left hand um, or, or a takedown. You know, he can do so many different things in the octagon. Um, I thought he was very effective in shutting down the takedown, uh, the, the kicking game, sorry, uh, of Luke Rockhold for the most part. Did a great job of checking those lead leg kicks. Um and also just kind of backing him up uh, as the fight went on. He did a great job of readjusting after that first round. I think he was also trying to pace himself uh, a little bit. But I thought Luke actually looked sharper. Fundamentally, he looked better. He was keeping his hands up um, much better. But still, um, it was that right hand that did him in. That right hook that he throws, that check hook that he throws going backwards, is a shot that he landed a lot. He landed a lot in strike force. He used it a lot in the UFC. He would hold it very, very low. He did a better job of keeping it up. But when you're going back and you're looking for that counter shot and you're going against an overhand left and one that comes from Romero, 
that was a risky shot. And Romero landed first. He landed it beautifully. Um, it was a violent knockout. I don't know if people, many people talked about that. It was a violent knockout. That was a sure. brutal, brutal knockout that, that he yeah. took out uh, Luke Rockhold with. And um, again, I, I thought it was a, a, a technical fight. Um, both tremendous middleweights, two of the best middleweights in the world went at it. And I, I thought it really delivered as far as action. I have said this week in doing other shows that I feel like Romero understands who he is very well. And he understands that he's not going to be able to keep up some furious pace over 25 minutes. And the burst thing has worked out for him defensively, as Luke Thomas has been saying all week to anybody who will listen defensively. The numbers back it up just how good this guy is at evading the power shots coming back his way. You know, I hate to talk more about the loser than the winner, but I know a lot of people wonder if Luke Rockhold is chinny, and and I still think people are going to question, you know, where he goes from here and can he get back to that championship picture. But he says he's the best grappler, Kenny, not just in this division, but in the UFC. So in terms of the game plan and the strategy, you know, when Daniel Cormier is preparing for these championship fights, Bob Cook handles his game plan and his strategy. Javier Mendez told me that part of the reason why it wasn't that big a deal when Luke Rockhold moved his training camp to South Florida and aligned with Henry Hoof sort of on a more full-time basis, so it's not that big a deal because Luke always sort of handled his own game plan and strategy. We worked with him on his skill development, but oftentimes the execution and the game plan Luke was responsible for. And I don't know how true that is, but maybe it might be time to defer a little bit for Luke Rockhold. And am I crazy? against an Olympic medalist that he would have maybe gone for a takedown and, and try to grapple if he thinks he's the best grappler in the whole game? Uh, well, this is, where, this is where it gets tricky. Uh, I mean, yeah, possibly, but how is he going to take down Romero? Is he going to is he gonna put him well, on his back? Right. I know. I, I mean, I, Derek Brunson did in 2014. I know. Yeah. I mean, they're right. I mean, people have not with great regularity, but right. I just feel like, to your point, maybe he was having some success on the feet. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like, Mix up the martial arts. Yeah, no, for I don't know. sure. If you no, have he, all these skills, yeah. mix them. No, I, I agree. I, I agree as far as, you know, that that goes. I don't know if he needs to it, shoot for many takedowns necessarily. I don't know if Luke's that guy. Um, you know, yes, Brunson will hit a couple takedowns. Uh, you know, he hit a couple takedowns. Brunson comes from a wrestling background. Luke really doesn't. Um you know, Brunson was successful at the collegiate level. I don't think Luke was at all. Uh, no, I don't think he no, wrestled he the college state, level. Yeah, yeah so he, he was a state qualifier in high school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he just did high school. So it's a different level. And even for Brunson, you know, um, yeah, he hit, a, he hit a couple takedowns. But not many people are going to hit those takedowns on Romero, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think it says a lot to Brunson's uh, timing on the takedown. But I, I think, yeah, I mean, maybe even, you know, countering, you know, maybe trying to go for a Kimura when he's in the, uh, in the clinch, maybe going for guillotines. You know, uh, maybe looking for a sweep, maybe playing off his back a little bit. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't know the quality of Luke's uh, grappling game. I've never rolled with him. I hear great things. I think he is yeah. tremendous there. Uh, more than anything else, I think just Romero caught him at the right time, really. I thought yeah. he was fighting a good fight. Yeah. Um, just Romero landed first, man, and I thought he had uh, a little bit better of a game plan, the way that he was pacing himself. And the problem is, you know, to advance against someone like Romero, whether you're coming forward or whether you want to counter, Romero can really do it all. He, he can really do yeah. it all. If you start coming towards him, he can hit, hit you with a takedown, put you on his back, score some points that way. He has brutal ground and pound. He can kick. He can punch. He can elbow. Uh, he can counter. 
Um, there's just a lot of things that Romero can do. And, and getting onto those rhythm changes, you don't know if he's just going to hang, hang back and block, if he's going to evade, or he's going to explode and come forward. So that yeah. really throws you off. Finding a rhythm against someone like Romero is extremely difficult. Yeah, no, that's well put. And, and I think, too, it's easy to say in hindsight that Luke Rockhold should have grappled, right? It's not as though he was getting owned on the feet and would have been doing so in some sort of desperation mode. But it seems to me like his approach to this was just a 25-minute kickboxing fight with Yoel. And, and to, uh, to your point, is he the better submission guy? Is Rockhold the better submission guy to Romero? Absolutely. I, yeah, I agree with I mean, you there, you know? So. Well, and, and even hearing Longo on this show just say, you know, we knew that, that, that Luke was a problem on the ground, but we didn't have any idea of the physicality and the transitions, just how good he was. Because Weidman, obviously, is no picnic on the ground. Sure. And we saw what Rockhold was able to do against him. Uh, so as far as Rockhold goes, quickly on the end of the fight, I don't know how much you saw it. And certainly we forgive you for not having seen this entire pay-per-view on uh, the day after uh, you brought a kid into the world. But Romero immediately gets up into Luke's face, right, yeah. and sort of puts his hands up on the fence so there's nowhere for Luke to go. So you have a concussed athlete in Luke Rockhold who hasn't really even come to. And now you got Yoel Romero barking in his face and telling him he loves him and whatever else. And this was a frustrating moment for me, and I think you, you sort of heard that spill over on the broadcast. Like, is there a commissioner or somebody who can step in there when you obviously have a concussed athlete who got back to his feet quicker than maybe he should have. And now he's got to deal with his opponent who just knocked him out screaming a bunk, bunch of shit in his face. Like I know Yoel wasn't doing this maliciously, right. um, but it's just like something's got to be done so that when these athletes are in this mode where they're, you know, their brain has just hit the other side of their head. They have no idea where they are. Maybe can we not, you know, exacerbate things by allowing their opponent to come even if they're trying to show sportsmanship and get up in their face like that. I just, I felt bad for Luke to begin with getting knocked out like that. And, and I know he's a cocky guy who maybe a lot of people don't feel right. bad for, but Yoel up, up in his face at the end of the fight, I could have done without that. <laughs> for, forget about the fact that this was just awkward to watch. Right. But yeah, you, you make a great point. Where's the commissioner? Who's stopping that from happening? I, I mean, who knows what Romero's going to do or, or Rockhold's going to do in that state of mind. Um, you know, Romero, of course, as you said, it was not malicious. He was saying something like, I, I love you, Luke, or something right, like that. Right, you know? right. But, yeah, what, what are they doing? You, you can't do that. Do that after the fight. They're going to see each other. They can do that backstage, you know, when everyone's, everything's settled down, when Luke, we yeah. know that Luke is safe. He just got up. First of all, the fact that they just put, they got him up so quickly after being knocked down and knocked out, yeah. like, kind of protect your fighter. Get in oh, there. I know. Th I that know. was just, it, it's not a good situation. And, and I felt like, yeah, and, and when and when you're in that state of mind, you don't know what you don't know what the guy's gonna do. Why wasn't the referee, you know, keeping them separate? Why wasn't there another commissioner in there protecting Luke and just say, hey, right. listen, you guys right. can talk after the fight, uh, just chill out for a little bit. So yeah, it was it was awkward and and it was weird and I felt I felt bad for Luke. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, promotionally, it seems like Yoel Romero is going to be given the benefit of the doubt because this is the only time, as far as I know, in his athletic career that he has missed weight. So it looks like that Whitaker fight will be remade. And it seems like Yoel Romero would like to get it down here uh, on South Beach in Miami, Florida, Kenny. There are a lot of different issues here in Florida with getting a fight done. I was told back in the day there's something on the cable side when it comes to pay-per-view revenue that is problematic in Florida. But mm. if you're going to bang out the American Airlines arena in Miami, it has got to be the right fight. And increasingly, I'm starting to think that maybe Yoel Romero 
can be that guy. We always used to say down here, and I haven't been down here that long, but hey, you want to you want LeBron when he was playing for the Heat sitting octagon side, you got to put Anderson Silva at the American Airlines Arena. And I think down here, maybe Yoel Romero can be that guy as he moves forward and in all likelihood gets that shot against Robert Whitaker. Uh, and for Luke Rockhold, you know, we'll see where he goes from here, Kenny. You know, I think maybe light heavyweight is in the future for him, perhaps. Um, and I think when you look at that light heavyweight top 10, there are a lot of winnable fights already for Luke Rockhold. But Yoel Romero's the story. He's 9-1 in the UFC, the only loss over five rounds, of course, to Robert Whitaker. And it's hard to believe for this 40-year-old Romero that he has never had a UFC belt, given all the people he has beaten. And, of course, he could have one here if he had just weighed two pounds fewer, 2.7 pounds fewer. But uh, Yoel Romero's next fight, I think, in all likelihood, is going to be for a piece of that belt, if not the whole undisputed thing. All right, Curtis Blades, Mark Hunt, Kenny in the co-main event. I didn't necessarily think that the ceiling was championship for Curtis Blades in this UFC heavyweight division. Maybe I didn't even think it was top five, but I'm a believer now after what he did against Mark Hunt. I know Mark Hunt's going to be 44 in March, but uh, still no picnic fighting that guy in Australia. I thought Blades dealt with the adversity well and and showed you his patented double-leg takedown, I think, which is going to be a real problem, not just for Hunt, but for a lot of other heavyweights moving forward. Couldn't agree with you more, man. I, I was uh, not so sold on Curtis Blades. I knew that he had uh, potential to, to be a top five. Now I know that he has potential to be a yeah. top five guy. Um, I, I think he's a guy who moves really well. Um, you see that he's taking his career seriously now. Look to be in tremendous shape. You look at the Curtis Blades that came in as UFC debut as opposed to the guy now. They look like two different men. Uh, this is a guy who's confident now. I like the way he was switching things up with his wrestling. Uh, Mark Hunt is not an easy guy to take down necessarily. Not at this point. Um, I, I thought that, uh, you know, he he came back from uh, eating a huge shot in that first round. It was a beautiful counter shot from Mark Hunt that would have knocked out pretty much any heavyweight in the world. It did not do that to Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades uh, has a tremendous beard um, and uh, was able to withstand that, ad adapt, adjust his game plan, use his wrestling to take, him, uh, take Mark Hunt down repeatedly. Um, and, and he did it in Australia. So, um, I was really impressed. I think this Curtis Blades is, is someone really who who could definitely be uh, a contender in the near future. And he was favored, as we've said on broadcast a million times, in in his UFC debut against Francis Ngannou at minus 155. And if that fight was remade right now, I don't think they're going to do it, right? I think they're going to yeah. give Ngannou a striker of some kind. You know what I mean? Like yes. a lot of people think Absolutely. right now, without some market improvements by Francis Ngannou, Blades would take him down, and this time, make him pay Agreed. and probably win that fight, probably be favored to win that fight. So I'd like to see that rematch. I don't think you need to see it anytime soon, but I think this was a very encouraging sign for the UFC heavyweight division for Curtis Blades to come through in this spot. Thought it was very good matchmaking. And even though the promotion doesn't always have a vested interest or rarely has a vested interest on one side or the other, this is a win for Blades upon which you can build. And I'm happy for, for Curtis Blades and, and the team elevation guys as well. A lot of sharp minds out there, and I think they've got a heavyweight with which to contend now. Um, I want to get to Jake Matthews and Lee Jing Leong. I'm not sure if you saw this fight, and I want to start with the evolution of Jake Matthews. This is a guy who entered the UFC at 19 years old. He was 5'9". Now he's like 23, Kenny, and he's 5'11 and a half. So we talk about the physical maturation just in terms of the added muscle mass and the confidence that he now has guys two and a half inches taller than when he made his UFC debut. So um, I thought he took the striking to a new level this weekend. And 
Li Jingliang is is not an easy guy to fight. He had come in having won four in a row. He just keeps stalking you down and coming forward, throws everything heavy. And I thought this was not unlike Curtis Blades, right? If you thought maybe the ceiling on Jake Matthews was, wasn't was that high or was a little bit lower than you previously thought, I, I, I'm a big believer in Jake Matthews. And this was the type of win that I'm not sure he was capable of, you know, 18 months ago. Right. Um, I would say this, you know, I think for Jake Matthews, I think he's maturing as a fighter. Um, you look at how you look at how he looks now. This guy is completely jacked. He looks way bigger. Um, and the way that he's acting in the octagon now, he just seems way more comfortable uh, as a fighter. Um, in regards to the, the technical skills, I, I think there was some improvement. I think he's hitting harder. I think he's a little bit more confident in his striking. I would have liked to seen better movement. I would have liked to seen him. Um, just stop trading in the pocket. There was there was moments for me that I thought th- he really was kind of throwing the dice there a little bit, uh, trading yeah. with Leong in the pocket. Um, you know, so I, I don't want to sh- I don't want to shoot no, you down here, but I think that um, could he have been a little bit more techno? Could he, could he have showed better footwork? Yes, and I think he's heading in that direction. I think he will head in that direction. He's going to be someone you're going to have to watch. I think he will break into the top ten. Um, eventually, uh, and be a threat. There's no doubt about it. This guy is 23 years old. He's only 23. He's already had a bunch of fights in the octagon. Um, made his debut at what 19? I think when we called his yeah. debut. Um, yeah. it's crazy. It's unbelievable. Uh, he has a, a very high ceiling. Um, he landed some nice counter shots. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I, again, I would have liked to seen more combinations. I would have liked to seen. Uh, him maybe mix things up, go to the body a little bit more, throw a little bit more kicks. Li Jing Leung isn't a world beater, if we're being honest. In my right. opinion, I don't think he's a guy that, you know, we're supposed to get super excited about if Jake Matthews beats him. And I thought Jake <laughs> maybe should have fought a little bit better as far as take the guy down. Ling Jing, what, is, what kind of belt is, is Jing Leung in, in jiu-jitsu? Is he a blue yeah, belt? I can check. I, you know what yeah, I mean? Like that. Purple, I would have liked this. He dominated him on the ground completely. He knocked him down in the first round. He was all over him on the mat. Um, I think he could have taken the path of least resistance. Why? Because yeah. you have a certain you have a certain amount of energy and lifespan in the sport. Sure. And if you're expending a lot of energy on a guy like Lee Jing Leung, what do you have left when you start fighting a guy like Donald Cerrone or a Rafael Dos Anjos and those guys? You know what I mean? I, I feel like sure. But again, w- this is this is how we mature as a fighter. You know how many f- stupid mistakes I made during a fight, and how many bad yeah. decisions I made, and my uh, approach to training, and my strategy during a fight, or whatever. We all make those things. Uh, but um, so for Jake, I think this is one of those fights. He's going to be happy to get the win in his home country. He's going to look back at that and go, "Yes, I got a good win. This is great. Um, I'm developing as a fighter." Could I have fought smarter? 100%. Could have I have fought a little bit more technical? Could I have taken less damage in that fight? Yes. Right. And also talk about his maturity to get eye gouged during that guillotine and act like he was, he was unfazed. I thought that was a, a, you know, a great way to keep, keep your head during a fight. Um, and uh, I think he has a, a definite high ceiling. And I want to talk about about the eye gouge, but I just want to put a bow on what you said. And yours is certainly a keener eye than mine when it comes to to the overall MMA game. I do think sometimes there's a tendency, maybe fighting at home, you feel like you got a fight of the night on your hands. So maybe to just throw caution to the wind. But you're right. If the end game is that you want to be a UFC champion, you ain't got any time for that in UFC appearance number nine. So I, I understand it. And your point is well taken. 
in terms of the eye gouge, so there are a lot of different layers to this, right? I want to start with the fact that Matthews, Kenny, mm. was far more bothered by Lee Jingliang grabbing his gloves. Mm. Jake thought that was far more of an advantage getting thing that Jing Liang was doing. And he felt that immediately when I went to interview him after the fight, I asked about the eye gouge and he sort of immediately brought up the glove grabbing. Interesting. I do think I didn't the, see the eye gouge. So that, that's, yeah. So that's I, great, so, yeah. Oh, well I will Jake, dude, he didn't, he didn't, couldn't give a shit about the eye gouge. Mm-hmm. Right. So everybody mm-hmm. on Twitter is like, Oh my God, let's cut Lee Jing Liang from the roster. And Jake Matthews couldn't give a rip about it. Right? right. He was just like, yeah, well I'd rather not grab my gloves, you know, <laughs> but so when Lee Jing Liang is in that choke, right? Mm-hmm. I know there's some desperation as he's clawing. Sure. I, I still don't think the eye gouge is defensible, mm-hmm. right? But I do think if there's any fighter who deserves the benefit of the doubt, I mean, I know Lee Jing Liang on a personal level. I mean, this is a really nice young man. He didn't even know the extent of what he was doing necessarily right. when he was gouging the eye. I actually That's think fair. that I don't think it looked as bad I mean, I don't think it was as bad as it looked. It couldn't have looked worse. I mean, yeah. graphic, gory replay. Um, but obviously, Matthews was largely unfazed by it. Mm-hmm. I don't think Jing Liang should be let off the hook. I don't necessarily agree with people that think he shouldn't have gotten a bonus because of it, even though there were guys who were deserving, like Tyson Pedro and others. Um, but I just was so impressed, Kenny, with Jake Matthews just dusting this thing off like yeah. it didn't happen when other fighters would have spent the rest of the fight complaint. A hundred percent. I agree. And again, that, that just shows his maturity as a fighter. I, I was impressed, man. And the last thing I'll say on Jake Matthews in terms of the ceiling is I just never envisioned him a top 10 guy. And I thought he turned that corner for me this weekend. I guess it remains to be seen. Uh, I want to acknowledge Ty Tuivasa with the knockout of Cyril Asker. Again, when you talk about new blood in this heavyweight division, I thought with Blades and Tuivasa, that was a big weekend for the UFC. I mean, Cyril Asker is no world beater. And it's interesting because I can't tell you how many Australians, Kenny, stopped me on the street and they said, oh, Tai Tuivasa is a light heavyweight. Like, we think he can be champion. But, you know, the fact that this guy who is maybe an inch taller than me is cutting down to 266 (laughs) pounds, uh, there's weight to lose there. There's no denying the skills and the quickness with which he is getting credentialed heavyweights out of there. But, um, you know, I think he's just as excited for the post-fight drink as he is for the fight. And I think going forward, that might be a problem. <laughs> I love That's hilarious, dude. Uh, listen, man, this guy, yeah, he's built like a fire hydrant. Those elbows were nasty, dude. Like, his oh. ability to just frame on your face and throw elbow after elbow, I was loving it. You know, I, anyone who throws an elbow, dude, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be impressed. Of course, so, you're the elbow uh, guy. It's a dying art. You got to bring these elbows back, man. Yeah. And listen, when you're short and stocky and you're able to get on the inside, land those repeatedly. And uh, again, to ask air, I mean, how the hell was he eating those shots? I mean, combination after combination, oh elbow after elbow. He took a lot of punishment in that fight. Thankfully, as soon as you tumbled into the canvas, the referee finally yeah. decided uh, to stop the fight. Right. But, uh, dude, brutal. I don't know if you were listening with the audio off, and I won't be offended, but we no, talked last no. week. Well, did you hear I said stop the fight? Right? Yeah, we I said did. last I, week on our yes, podcast, the, I said the only time I've ever said stop the fight was when, when Stipe was beating on Mark Hunt. We're standing yeah. up saying stop the fight. I heard then, that, of course, dude. You couldn't have been Percival, more accurate. Yeah, I mean, oh, okay. Now he just faced. Okay, okay. Steve Percival has seen enough. And what did Percival he do? Like a spin? Like, he did like a twirl. It looked like a hurricane. Kind of went to the face, and then finally Percival's. Okay, yeah. Now he's now he's done. Yeah, okay. But that, Steve Percival, right? He's the only referee that gets booed by these affable Australians. He's the only guy who uh, who 
they nice give guy, shit to, though. Right? He's, he's a great and guy. He is a great guy. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he loves the booze, right? He's like <laughs> buoyed by the crowd booing him. Uh, but Ty Tuivasa, just uh, really a likable young man. And just the whole bond between Tuivasa and Tyson Pedro, who we'll get to, and Mark Hunt, all of these guys. They call Mark Hunt the lead horse. I mean, it's just a – they got a special thing going so, on. And, and So are you saying Tui Tuivasa, this guy, he's a drunk is what you're saying is basically is – A little bit. I mean, <laughs> did you see – did you happen to see him drink the beer out – do the shoey? Did you? I so we showed it on pay-per-view. So on his way – back yeah. to the dressing room, uh-huh. he shotgunned a beer out oh, of the shoe. Wow. One of the fan sneakers. They do these shoeies, I guess, in Australia. And uh, so we were we were doing an on-camera on Yancey Medeiros and Donald Cerrone, and I saw on the isolation monitor that Ty Tuivasa <laughs> drinking a beer out of out the of shoe. Out of a shoe. So, so I said, I think we need to show that on broadcast. And, uh, <laughs> I'm glad we did. Um, Tyson Pedro, uh, winner by Kimura over Saperbeg Safarov. Did you happen to catch that fight at all? Uh, that was the Safarov and uh, Tyson, Tyson Pedro. Pedro. Yes, I did. I did. I did. Yes. So uh, pretty nifty uh, submission there. I don't know if we called yes. it right as a Kimura or some yep. people say double, double shoulder lock or whatever yeah, you want to call yeah, it. That's I don't the, know. the catch uh, wrestlers. Yeah, that's the trendy thing to say. That was not a Kimura. It was a double shoulder lock. Shut up. It's a Kimura. All right. Good. All right. Yeah. Good. I figured I, I had it down. So I asked Ken Flo about the double shoulder right. lock. Either way, um, Tyson Pedro at light heavyweight, this is the right division in which to make a run with all due respect to Daniel Cormier. Um, your thoughts on Tyson Pedro, uh, the submission of a very tough Saperbeg Safarov, and, and where Tyson Pedro might go from here at 205. Uh, I thought Pedro looked tremendous, and he was my fighter to watch on UFC there tonight you go. for a reason. Um, I thought he looked really sharp, man. Everything he was doing, he looked very technical. He looked like he was at a completely different level than Savarov, who has a nice jab, who's very tough. Um, this is a, a, another tough Russian fighter from that area who uh, is not going to quit very easily. Um, and, uh, you know, he was eating a lot of shots. Pedro able to stop those takedowns left and right. His ability to read those entries was tremendous. Um, just seemed like everything he did, he was just a, a completely different class of fighter. So uh, Tyson Pedro, once again, proves he's somebody to watch, man. It was a tremendous submission. I didn't know he had a submission game like that. Um, looked sharp to me. Absolutely. And, and a great post-fight interview for him as he asked on the Joe Rogan experience and said he was going to make love to his beautiful wife. And then the mic drop thing. So he wanted to drop the mic, right? And so I kind of afforded him the opportunity to drop it, but I didn't let it go all the way to the ground. Right. Um, and he was not too happy about that, obviously. So I happened <laughs> to run into him after the fight. And, of course, and I have a relationship with Tyson. I sat down with him a little bit on yeah. Thursday. So he didn't come up to me with any real anger. But, you know, first thing he says to me, he's like, oh, man, he's like, you didn't let me drop the mic. And thankfully, our producer, Zach Candido, was right there. I was like, talk to that fucking guy because they're the <laughs> ones who, you know, when I first got hired, Kenny, and you know this all too well, they Don't said whatever you do, the mic. can't relinquish the microphone. It's literally like giving yeah. a fighter the control of the broadcast. So hold that thing like your life depends on it. So you hold it pretty tight. And you can't have the thing drop into the canvas necessarily. It makes a big noise. The audio guy wants to sure. kill you, right? So uh, so it, it does now beg the question, right, in the future, uh, am I to allow mic drops? Maybe maybe we'll figure it out. But uh, my apologies to Tyson if I got in the way of your moment. Kid. Yeah, so, hey, Tyson, so, sorry John Anik has uh, unbelievable reflexes, dude. Sorry he's <laughs> yeah, cat-like, yeah, okay? Yeah. Uh, All right. It's a nice try, dude. Annex yeah, going to catch I, that shit. I mean, wouldn't that have been bad if I went for it and <laughs> it still had dropped <laughs> to the canvas? Yeah. No, dude, you did a great job, man. That was sick. That uh, was I appreciate sick. it. Bruce right. Lee uh, shit right there. 
Oh, not well, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't, <laughs> no. This is the ah! first and only time in my Snag life I will ever shit. draw any comparison to Bruce Lee. <laughs> so I would love to spend five minutes on each of these guys who had big wins on the prelims, but we don't have the time. Israel Adesanya, I know you probably want to talk about him because you were on the train beforehand. Alexander Volkanovsky, like 17-1 and one as a featherweight, played rugby at 214 pounds. So have fun with that guy. Not unlike yeah. Gregor Gillespie at 155. Strong. Like you draw Volkanovsky. Have fun with that guy. And then for Juicier Formiga, Kenny, I mean, this was Ken Flo. This is what Kenny did. He would knock you down and then choke you unconscious, right? So in this case, it was a spinning back fist or, or back forearm that knocked Ben Wynn down and eventually went to, to his patented rear naked choke there. But prelims really got us in a good place for pay-per-view, Kenny. And, and those three names were a big reason why. Uh, who would you like to talk about here on a Thursday, kid? Uh, I mean, all those guys are great. Let, let's call, let's talk about Adesanya. Adesanya, this guy is a monster, man. I, I, I love watching him fight, whether it was Muay Thai, kickboxing, um, or MMA. This is a guy I've been watching for a long time. Um, he's got he's got a fun personality, man. He's got a lot of charisma, um, a lot of confidence. You see, stepping in the octagon like he he's been there a thousand times, has this whole routine. Um, and, and it's not fake. This is legit. This is how he feels when he fights. And he brings out that charisma. He brings out that personality. He's a creative striker. Um, and I think, listen, this was just his debut. You will see a lot more creativity and devastating striking from Adesanya. I, I guarantee it. This is a guy we need to watch. This is a guy who really um, who could come on the scene and maybe be like, uh, kind of like a Conor McGregor in the future. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not joking. I don't know, you know, as far as his wrestling and jiu-jitsu goes, does it need to be better? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so did Connors. So does Anderson Silva's, but right. they were still taking out on the feet left and right. So, um, yeah. I, I think this is a guy who's going to continue to improve. I think this is a guy who might be a future champion in that division. I, I think that highly of him. Um, as far as striking, there's no one who's going to be able to touch him in that division. I, I think, I think he's going to give a lot of people hell. I agree. I think he could give people hell, not unlike – I'm not comparing them stylistically, but Stephen Wonderboy Thompson at 170 yes. pounds is is one of the more difficult matchups. Like Tyron Woodley feels like that's the toughest matchup for him in the division, Without and he's doubt. gotten past it twice. And he didn't force the finish, right? Like he didn't force the finish at all. He just showed you the patience and the, the striking repetitions in his yes. life. He was just totally unfazed by – by this atmosphere and what to do when you have an opponent on the ropes. And in terms of the wrestling, Kenny, Rob Wilkinson is no world beater, but in an eight and a half minute fight, he shot 16 times, right? right? So at the very least, right, if you want to knock out Asanya, <laughs> he still in his UFC debut yes. had to stuff 16 shots. I think he shot 10 times in the first round. So I don't care who you are. UFC fighter is going at your knees 10 times in a round. It's encouraging that you're able to either not get taken down or get up almost immediately as Adesanya did. And how about this guy's signature move, Kenny? The, the, the dog sort of pissing all over the octagon, right? He gets up to the top of the stairs, unzips his fly, so to speak, and then marks his fucking territory like, how come no UFC fighter has done that before? I know that's not your style, right? But the style better. How is this guy the first guy to mark his territory with it's urine hilarious. in the history of the Ultimate Fighting Championship? It's hilarious. Basically, going, yeah, this is mine. This is mine. Not just this spot. This whole yeah. area is mine. This is my scent. I own you. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah, it was fun. We will have uh, more on the Perth pay-per-view with Ray Longo coming up later. I just want to say though. 
Western Australia is an amazing place. The people are unbelievable. It's amazing how nice the people are there. And then you go to LAX and how mean all the TSA agents are. You know, I feel bad for, for people coming into our country to, right. to to JFK or LAX. I guess I could say Logan Airport as well. But Did they Americans, pull out the glove on you, Anik, oh. a little bit? Did they, did they check? No, she just was like, where do you think you're going? I said, I have my global entry pass, ma'am. And she said, not without me checking. I said, you were wow. busy with somebody else, you know. Um, so, but it's just immediate, I'm telling you immediate meanness. As soon as I touch back in the United States, Americans could take a page from the Australians and just, uh, just be nice. All right. We are going to get to the top 10 things you would text Kenny Florian after the birth of his daughter. First though, give me a minute to tell you about mattress firm. If you would, everyone knows how important stretching is before an event. Well, so does mattress firm, except it's your dollar. Your budget stretches further when you're shopping at America's neighborhood mattress store. It's a true home run and you'll have a ball. They're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise. But know this, they're more than mattress experts. They have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed from adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor. They have you literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback. Go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening as I read this sentence to you. They even offer you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Talk about a one-two punch, a knockout, if you will. So score big with a perfect bed. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast, mattressfirm.com slash podcast to get the play-by-play on how you can monumentally improve your sleep today, tonight, and tomorrow. Okay. The top 10 things you would text Kenny Florian after the birth of his daughter. At some point, I think we should do a mean tweet segment on this show. I mean, we're trying not to rip off of Jimmy Kimmel, but I could probably publish a book of mean tweets. So there's certainly inventory there. Should we decide to do that? Yeah. I will also say I went on Bisping's podcast this week, Kenny, Uh and he basically said that when we did MMA Live on ESPN2, that he absolutely hated me. Really? not just hated me. And, you know, we had Dan Henderson as a co-host. Maybe there was one time where I said something oh, that wasn't right. so nice. I think really it was just him being overly sensitive. But he circled back to it in the interview. He's like, John, you don't understand. I used to tell my wife that if I ever see John Anik in the United States, I'm going to punch him in the face. Right. <laughs> oh, so wow. here I am thinking that we're pretty close and we've gotten to this great place. And He's cutting me down every step of the way. <laughs> and, you know, so I come downstairs, I tell my wife, yeah. I was like, this thing like really disliked me. And I know yeah. a lot of MMA fans can probably relate, but, uh, yeah, check it out. Believe did, you me, Bisping fucking killing did, me this week. Did, 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 did you say you're, you're welcome for doing his podcast after that? It's like, I know. you know That's what right. I mean? I, I mean, I come know. on. Man. I know. It's a good point. You know, yeah. I love the guy, man. And I, Few professional athletes have inspired me more than that guy, but uh, that was hard to hear. I'm not going to lie to you. But i got to go back into the MMA he's a live dick. archives. He's a dick, but I love the guy. You know what I yeah, mean? It's right. like yeah. I, I, that's the best way of describing yeah. Bisping. I just love yeah. the guy. He's funny, man. All right. Top 10 things you would text Kenny Florian after the birth of his daughter. Thanks to the fans for chiming in. Some of these are from the fans. Some of these are from me. And right. uh, I know you got thick skin, so you're not afraid. All right. Top <laughs> 10 things you would text Kenny Florian after the birth of his Bring daughter. Bring it. Number 10, congrats, Kenny. If Kurt Pellegrino's appearance scares adults, though, you may want to keep your daughter away from him, at least for the time being. It's already shot at Kurt Pellegrino. All right. <laughs> Number nine, congrats, Kenny. Hope you'll be okay if she hates jujitsu like John Anik. Right. No, I'm not going to be okay. But I know you're not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number eight, congrats, Kenny. Uh, she looks more like Clark, and for that, we all are grateful. <laughs> 
Um, all right, number oh, seven. Congrats, man. Kenny. Better to have a girl uh, than a boy with a small penis. Am I right? I guess. I, I don't Actually, know. Actually. Yeah, sure. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. And reports sure. are that wasn't necessarily gonna gonna be an issue. One of my bosses at ESPN <laughs> once actually, I'm not even gonna go there. Um, all right, number six, oh, Kenny. Man. Congratulations. Nothing like feeling a baby's skin against your face. Might be t- time to shave that patchy beard off. <laughs> yeah, my wife's trying to get me to to shave now. Yeah, I will say though, she's at not least liking once, the kisses. At yeah. least once, yeah, you have to shave the whole thing yeah. um, so you can experience that. You yes. know, there's nothing like it. Maybe go mustache. I, I, Not a bad November book. next year, yes. Or this year, yeah. All right, number five in the top ten list of things you would text Kenny Florian after the birth of his daughter. Congrats, Kenny. It's about time you're going to be 42 in 100 days. <laughs> Jesus. I really am going to be 42. Oh, my God. That's why did you remind me? And. You look about. You look good today. You look like thirty-five. I look a What's, day over forty. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing though that May twenty-sixth is actually a hundred days from today on the fucking <sighs> nose. Wow, dude. All right, number four. Congrats, Kenny. Uh, maybe let her turn one before you make her put a gi on. Maybe. Yeah. Like, can maybe. she turn one before you put a gi on? Uh, number three. Congrats, Kenny. Swaddling is harder than tying your black belt. So good luck with that. It really is, actually. Uh, number two, congrats, Kenny, and condolences in advance if she ends up dating a fighter. <laughs> That's not happening. And the number one thing you would text Kenny Florian after the birth of his daughter, congratulations, Kenny, whatever you do, do not make Pellegrino the godfather. <laughs> Again with the Pellegrino. That's hilarious. Hey, it's just fan <laughs> submissions. Um, I'm fully on board with number one. Uh, there's no, I know Kurt Pellegrino is the replacement groomsman, whatever. There is no need to make him the godfather. That's so good, dude. Those are the top 10 things you would text Kenny Floyd after the birth of his daughter. (laughs) Some of them better than others. You know, it's hard. I was like, do I whittle it down to five or do I just suck it up with a few that aren't Uh, so good? That was Uh, funny, man. All of them. Small penis one would have ended up on the cutting room floor, but, uh, All right, good stuff there, and of course we are all super happy for you and uh, have fun. (laughs) A little alien changing those diapers, have fun with that over the next few weeks. Absolutely crazy. Okay, that is out of the way. We got to spin it forward now to UFC Austin coming up this Sunday night on FS1. Let's make some picks. Time for the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, so Team Anik led Team Florian 12-6 going into UFC 221. Gam Blue made picks for my squad against yours. You guys had a lot of the same picks. You hit on Jake Matthews as an underdog. Both picked up a couple points there. Both hit on Tyson Pedro, Ty Tuivasa. You both missed on Luke Rockhold. Uh, He did get you on the Curtis Blades-Mark Hunt fight, though. So with Mm -hmm. that, Gam Blue does win the Week 5 for the lead for Team Anik now 17-10. And before Oof. we get to the Austin picks, I just want to say, and our man Ben Wirtz on hold, I appreciate your time, and I know we bumped the day this week. But so Abe Kawa, right, Malky Kawa's brother, mixed martial arts manager, Yoel Romero's manager, he's a good friend of mine, okay, but he comes up to me at the airport, and he says, that's what you and Ken Flo get for picking Rockhold, you know? Like, I, I don't pick, bro. And I'm like, all right, so – so first of all, like, I don't even know that I've leaned on a fight since the 209 tattoo, yes. which was March of 2016. But Kenny and I have never picked a winner in a fight that we are calling ever. Right. right. It's like 
sports broadcasting 101. You don't exactly. pick a winner when you're actually doing play-by-play or color on the sporting event. So I love you, A, but it was actually Gam Blue uh, who picked against your boy, Yoel Romero. Yes. And it's also interesting, too, because you saw this betting line on this Romero-Rockhold fight change considerably after the weigh-in, mm-hmm. seemingly money coming in on Luke Rockhold, and I don't know yeah, if it was also, short money or not. Also, your fighter, it, you know, a tremendous performance. He didn't make weight. Right. right. And I'm sure I sound hypocritical to a lot of people when I say that Yoel should get the next crack at Robert Whitaker when I'm banging on guys like Josh Emmett getting the main event. So a lot of different layers to it, but I digress. UFC Austin picks and joining us today to play on behalf of Team Anik. We're happy to have him, longtime supporter of the podcast, an Austin, Texas local. Uh, ben Wirtz is with us. Ben, my man, how are you today? Uh, doing well. How about you guys? We are doing well. So as I understand it, your job is going to prevent you from going to the fights this weekend. Is that right? Uh, I think so, but I'm actually looking for some tickets now. Um, I work in event planning, so a lot of times I'm busy on the weekends during the fights. Um, But I actually have uh, some time off this week, I think. So I'm going to try to find some cheap tickets and see if I can't get over there. Nice. All right, well, let me me see what I can do. Let me call in a favor, depending on how you do today, because (laughs) I don't know that the UFC is in Austin all that often, and if you can get the time, I mean, you got to find a way to get in the building. So uh, we'll we'll talk after the show, Ben, but we got to make some picks here. And the first fight we're going to dissect on this main card. So here is James Vick, 8-1 in the UFC. He'll remind you of that fact every chance he gets. He's the minus 235 favorite here against Francisco Trinaldo, who is the plus 185 underdog. Now, Masaran Duba's also won eight of his last nine. It's hard for me to recall him, Kenny, being in this type of price range as a plus 185 underdog. Perhaps it's because 13 of his 16 UFC fights, including the last four, have taken place in Brazil. This one is in Texas, James Vick's home state. Uh, ben, big fight here at 155 pounds. You going with James Vick or Francisco Trinaldo? I'm going with James Vick. Um, I know he stands pretty upright and he's pretty hittable. And Trinaldo is throwing some sledgehammers at him. So I think he needs to be careful and keep it, you know, stay outside of the boxing range, stay in a kickboxing range, and um, try and keep it there. If it does go to the ground, I think he needs to be proactive about getting up off the ground. I don't think he needs to stay on the, on the bottom trying to fight there because that's how he's going to lose a decision to Trinaldo. Um, I think Trinaldo's got, you know, he's got good power, nice counter left. Um, but I think ultimately James Vick uh, keeps it at his distance. He wins the striking battle and takes that decision. And I think he probably moves to the top 10 after this fight. Kenny, James Vick, the minus 235 favorite here. James Vick bets on UFC fights more than any fighter on the roster. And more often than not, he hits. I'm not sure he's going to love this price on himself. Kind of prohibitive at minus 235. I thought he'd be around minus 175 or so. So I was off when it came to handicapping this fight. I still believe Vic deserves to be favored. Uh, your thoughts on who gets their hand raised this weekend? Um, yeah, well, I thought Ben uh, made some good analysis there. I, I think, you know, for poor Francisco Trinaldo, the one guy that's really bigger than him in that division is James Vick. James Vick is huge for the division. Not only is he tall at like six foot three, but he gets pretty big in the offseason, FYI. Um, but he's a guy who's a, a true professional. I think he's going to try to use that length, keep Trinaldo, Trinaldo on the outside. I think that's going to confuse Trinaldo. If Trinaldo catches him, and he can, it's going to be early. But I don't think he's going to be able to do it. I think James Vick wins this fight. 
All right, co-main event marks the return of the Black Beast, the one, the only, Derek Lewis. Now, the fight's in Austin, not Houston, but this is a home game for Lewis. Figures to have plenty of support in the building here on Sunday night. Maybe he'll need it, plus 130 underdog here against the minus 160 favorite, Mark Sheen Tibora. Ben, looks like a pick em fight to me. Maybe a little bit of value, at least in our scoring system with Derek Lewis. Your thoughts on the heavyweight co-headliner this weekend in Austin? Well, unpopular opinion. Um, I think that this might actually be kind of a slow fight and probably could go to a decision. But um, being that it's Derek Lewis, I'm going to go ahead and go a second round knockout. It's in Texas. It's close to home. Um, I don't think it's really going to be on the ground very much. Uh, I've been watching some of the last fights, and I don't really think if anyone goes to the ground, Derek Lewis is going to take Tabura to the ground, I think. But uh, I think it's going to stay on the feet, and I think Derek Lewis probably gets the second round knockout. Notice my guy Ben Wirtz watching film to make picks today. We like the yeah. film study. Uh, <laughs> Ken Flo, Tabura, minus 160 here against Derek Lewis. Your thoughts? You know who still needs to do film study? This guy over here, okay? Fair I'm a, little behind, yeah. a little behind, by the way. So uh, I'm on my picks on might change. My picks might change by, by, by yeah. tomorrow yeah. or the next couple of days. But uh, you know what? I, I'm going to go with Tybora here. Uh, put a check mark by his name. I, I think he gets it done. <laughs> I think Derek Lewis... Um, is the more dangerous striker. I think if he's gonna, if there's going to be a finish on the feet, it's most likely going to be Derek Lewis. But Marcin Tibor, he's got a great chin. He knows how to survive. He knows how to move. I think he might mix things up. I think he's going to be a little bit better on the ground as well. If he hits some takedowns, I think it would serve him well. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's go with Tibor. And Ken Flo will be on the desk this weekend. And, and don't give him shit if he changes his picks, right? Yeah, I know we're not right. making picks on Monday. But it doesn't but, count for the show. Know, I lose this one, I lose. Guy's got like a six-day-old daughter, so if you were watching film, I mean, let me get the fight card, right? Like if you're watching, if you're watching Tim Williams' film right now, with all due respect, you got to do a pop-up for Tim Williams this weekend on the weigh-in show. Um, I'd rather you pay attention to your daughter. I know she sleeps a lot, but that's just me. Uh, um, all right, main event: Donald Cowboy Cerrone trying to avoid. It says here a fourth straight loss. Uh, he is favored. To do just that, minus 160 against the plus 130 underdog, Yancey Medeiros. Medeiros has won three in a row. No one will soon forget his fight with Cowboy Oliveira last year. Given, though, the way that fight went, it's a pretty quick turnaround for Yancey. Yeah. Uh, ben, need the round and the method of victory here for the Austin main event. You go in Cerrone or Medeiros, and how do they get it done? All right. Well, I think uh, judging off Yancey's last fight, I think it's going to be a pretty tough fight for Cowboy. The fight against Till was pretty telling. Um, I don't think Cowboy is necessarily all the way into it every time. He doesn't seem to care about winning or losing every time, just like giving the check. Um, in terms of Medeiros, uh, he's coming off that fight of the year candidate with Oliveira. It was a brutal fight, but you know it was a, it was a great fight, and he came out on top. Um, Cowboy hasn't been trying to go to the ground as much lately, and I think it's going to be kind of a stand, a stand and bang kind of fight. Uh, I think he can rock Yancey and possibly finish on the ground like Barboza, but... I think it's probably going to be the beginning of the end. He doesn't seem, like I said, like he cares about winning or losing. I think he's going to stay in the fight maybe for the first two rounds. But after that, I think Yancey's probably going to overwhelm him and finish him with some <clears> kind of body shot in the third round. All right, TKO round three for Yancey Medeiros is the pick for Ben Wirtz. And hopefully Cowboy's not listening, Ben. He'll be coming for you in Austin. But, no, you bring up a lot of good points, obviously. And I think this is really – the right fight at the right time for Cerrone to prove that if he can still hang with this division's elite, uh, this is a fight that he's favored to win and, and a fight that a lot of people think he should win. 
Madera's a tough guy to fade. Kenny, obviously, yeah. in his current form, how do you see it playing out this weekend? Well, yeah, that's the problem. You know, I, I could see why Ben made that pick. I, I think Yancey is coming in with a lot of momentum here. Um, a, a guy who has a tremendous chin showed unbelievable uh, determination against the other cowboy, Cowboy Oliveira. I don't know if he can beat this Donald Cerrone, though. I think Donald Cerrone is going to be fired up. I think Cerrone's got to use his kicking game. I think that's going to be the difference here. But Medeiros is going to be smart. I think he's going to try to pressure and back Cerrone up, uh, really try to get in the boxing range, land a lot of shots. Um, I know Cerrone's been busy filming other stuff, and he's you know always doing something. Um, so, yeah, some people are questioning, hey, does he still want to be a fighter? Does he still you know have that same kind of spark when he goes out and trains? I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, on fight night, Cerrone will show up. I think he gets a stoppage in the second round. I'm a huge Yancey Medeiros fan. I love the way he fights. Uh, I love his his warrior spirit. Um, and I think he's a different fighter now, training with guys like Max Holloway. And But I, I think Cerrone still has the edge here. I, I see a finish. Um, let's go with second round. Yeah. All right, Cerrone by TKO. Round two for the flow. And again, perhaps that'll change anything that could happen between now and then that might change your main event. For Kenny, main event, do I don't convicted? know. I, I feel yeah. I feel pretty confident with with Cerrone, yeah. but yeah. who knows, right. man? Yeah. Well, you got to watch the weigh-in show, folks. Uh, you got to watch the pre-fight show. You just got to right. ingest as much Ken flow as you can. Um, I don't think we're not bringing the baby to the Fox lot this weekend. No, we? no, no, no. Okay, no. she's she's yeah. hiding in the house. But yeah, okay. keep Steve Becker as far away from that yeah. baby's eyes at least for <laughs> as many weeks as you can. All right, quick picks here on the way out. Don't need any analysis here. If you want to give me your two cents, feel free. But these are just for the record. So Tiago Alves, minus 165 against Curtis Millender, who is plus 135. So Alves, he was scheduled to fight Platinum Mike Perry. The hurricane down here prevented him from doing that. You remember his dog passed away uh, tragically in that whole scenario. Yes. Then he was to face Zach Cummings in St. Louis in January. Cummings couldn't make the walk because he fell getting out of the tub during his weight cut. So now Alves draws this UFC newcomer, Curtis Millinder. Big opportunity, and, and the line tells you it's a pretty close fight. Millinder's won six in a row, back-to-back -back head kick knockouts in LFA. Ben, Millinder or Alves, who will it be? Uh, Millinder, uh, head kick knockout probably. Ooh, a third. Kenflo, Millinder, Alves, who do you like? Uh, I'm going to go with Alves. <clears throat> okay. All right, also on tap, Brandon Davis, second UFC appearance overall for him, second in as many months. Went three hard rounds with Kyle Bokniak in Boston January 20th. And now he is the minus 125 favorite here against Steven Peterson, a UFC newcomer who many of you saw on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Uh, ben, you going Peterson or Davis here? Um, I'm actually going to go Davis. Uh, even though it's short notice fight, uh, Peterson doesn't really have great striking defense. He gets hit pretty easy and he gets hit a lot. So I think it's going to be Davis by uh, some kind of knockout in the first, second round. Yeah, those Mississippi kids are fighters, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. Quick turn. They don't care. They'll fight every weekend. Uh, Kenny, Davis or uh, Peterson? Who you I'm like? going to go with Davis as well. All right, and then finally, Super Sage Northcutt, the prohibitive minus 265 favorite against Thibaut Guti, who is plus 210. Uh, ben, who will it be for you there, my man? Uh, I got Sage Northcutt. I think he's probably going to get some kind of submission. Off Ken Flo, you ain't picking against Super Sage. Submission, he says. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with Sage as well. Yeah. Okay. His bod, dude. His bod. Yeah. His <laughs> bod. All right, Ben Wirtz. Uh, hopefully, you can find a way in the building this weekend. We appreciate your time, your insight, your support of the show, man. And uh, thank you for hopping on with us today. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Ben Wirtz, our guest picker for Team Anik here today. Uh, Kenny, you know what else there is on this fight card? UFC Fight Night, Cowboy versus Medeiros. Oh, you got weigh-in show Saturday, Fight yes, Night Sunday. Exactly. So that's nice. So yeah. I don't know if it's for the first time in UFC history. I, I reached out to our researcher, Tom Gerbasi, because on the FS1 prelims flow, we got Roberto Sanchez versus Joby Sanchez. Sanchez v. Sanchez. Sanchez. That's the first time. Has that a, I don't know. I reached out to our researcher, and I, I must not be high enough up on the VIP list. Well, to, I'm going to uh, go out on a limb and just say that Sanchez is going to win that fight. So go. for the for purposes of it, be, it being Sanchez versus Sanchez, you want Roberto or you want Joby? I, I, I'm kind of a little bit tied to Joby. My, my buddy, a guy I used to box with, a guy I used to train with a lot, uh, Matt Finney from the Boston area. Sure. Yep, I know the uh, name, from, Matt. Yeah, he uh, he's been helping him out um, with his boxing and his, and his striking work. So um, you know, I I'm kind of leaning towards Joby, but uh, I will readily admit I'm very biased in that decision. All right, you can see it all play out. UFC Fight Night: Cowboy versus Madera's 9 p.m. Eastern time for the main card this Sunday night on FS1. All right, one final act today. Let's get to Raymond Peter Longo. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. So I don't know if we have the great Ray Longo yet, but I thought this result. There he is. We do have Ray Longo. Yes. Looking good. Yellow's a good color for you, sir. How we doing? I'm doing well. I can hear you now. Maybe they can pot you up a little bit. So... I didn't know if we had you on. I was just saying this this Romero Rockhold fight. I obviously want to want to get your thoughts on it, but I ran into your buddy Chris Weidman there in Perth, Western Australia, and I said to him right after the fight, "It's probably a, a good result if you're on Team Weidman in terms of the pecking order at 185 pounds." Oh, I would think. I mean, I don't think he could ask to be in a better spot right now. That that yeah. that thing's been turned on its head, and. Uh... You know, he's one fight away from a title shot for sure, I think. You know, and maybe even closer. Who knows the way this thing shakes out or how healthy um, Whitaker is, what happens with that. But uh, right. you never know. But I could see, you know, a fight with him and um, uh, Jacare, and then the winner <clears throat> of that gets the winner of whoever. I think Dana already announced that Romero's getting his shot. So I could see that, you know, I could see the winner of that fight getting the winner of that fight. So I think he's, I think he's right in the mix again. You know, yeah, Chris was uh, kind of yapping a lot, saying he he wants he wants to get that fight. He believes that, you know, he wants to go in there against one of the top guys. And and uh, who who do you think he's going to fight next? I would I would think I mean if Dana I think Dana already said that Romero gets the shot at Whitaker. No, but for Weidman, sorry. Oh, I, I would think he gets Jacare is the guy. Not going to give him Kelvin, who's right behind him because he already beat him. Right. So I think the only guy he hasn't fought yet is Jacare, and then I think after that, it's it's a title shot. Gotcha. And and, and Ray, I, I just want to thank you, man. I got this call from New York on my cell phone, and I'm like, ah, I was going to decline it. I decide to accept it, and who is it? It's RPL Raymond Peter Longo. Uh, no congratulating way. me, calling me. Uh, congratulations. Thank you very much, my friend. I really appreciate no, anytime, that. man. And I think that's a big, big milestone in your life. And I hope you cherish it and enjoy it because it's, uh, is truly something special. And I told you as the father of two girls, anything you need, any advice you need. Ha, thank you, man. I'll I appreciate it. with my wife because I have no <laughs> idea what the hell is going on in the last 20 years, Kenny. That's great. You could, you could talk to her. She did a great job <laughs> with the kids. <laughs> All right. I will.
Well, so Ken Flo's not like screaming from the rooftops looking for Instagram likes the minute he has a kid, right? So it's not like everybody knew this news, but we moved the show from Wednesday to Thursday. So I'm checking in with Longo. I'm like, hey, you know, Ken Flo had his baby girl. And so I gave out, you know, I gave out the 508, right? Like I gave out Ken Flo's number. I don't do that very much. And he took the call. See, yeah. if that says John Anikray, I don't know if he takes that call. Nah, so maybe the anonymous fine. thing worked in your favor. John, I will say this. He picked up that phone very heavily. He, was, <laughs> he had no idea what was going on. We could, have had, good, we could have had a good prank because he was definitely uncertain. And then I just started screaming into the phone like a lunatic. So I think it made him feel better. But, My uh, spidey senses were tingling. I was like, this is a friend on the other side. <laughs> yes. Yeah. See, I always give Kenny shit as a Bostonian for being too nice to New Yorkers, tweeting like I love New York, right? He's got like clothing that says New York, which for me is a boss. There's nothing in my closet that says New York. Right. And so, but so he gets a call from a New York number. Like, of course he takes it. Right. Like heaven, heaven forbid, Inez Florian's calling from the 617. Takes the fucking call from New York two days after having a kid. I'm glad he picked up. That's we had, funny. We had, we had a nice chat. And again, I think it's a, it's a great thing. And it's a, it's a, it's a game changer for sure. So, I, I didn't want yeah. to. I didn't want to tweet. I didn't want to text. I think that that's that's an event that deserves a one-on-one conversation. You're the man. Yeah. No, that's very cool of you. So, quick thoughts on the Romero Rockhold fight, if you saw it. Uh, and well, I, I know how much respect you have for these guys as fighters. You prepared fighters on multiple occasions to fight them. Um, but obviously, you you did predict Luke Rockhold would win this fight. There were a lot of different circumstances that happened during fight week. You know, Romero missed weight, but Ultimately, your thoughts on how this fight played out and and where maybe Luke Rockhold might go from here. Uh, I think Luke Rockhold's right now he's got he's in a little bit of trouble. Uh, but I did have him win in that fight, and I thought if he could, uh, you know, you know, it looked like he showed signs with the jab of he if he could have been consistent and backed that up with a couple of things, he might have been uh, been all right. But I got to tell you, man, Romero, unorthodox, relaxed. Uh, biggest mistake Luke made, I think he let Romero dictate the pace of that fight. Uh, yeah. I would have thought he tried to gas him out a little bit, push a quicker pace, and then finish it like that while Romero got tired. But he he really let him control the pace, and he let him fight in spurts. And uh, and I Rockle just has trouble fighting going backwards, man. There's nothing to it. He backs up in a straight line, and with a guy that can punch hard, he could close his eyes and throw punches and hit you. You know what I mean? So there were times he did have some nice movement where he circled away from the cage. But for the most part, going backwards for Luke Rockhold is not the, not where he wants to be at all. Right. And I would love to sort of ask you what Weidman's game plan was going in, but that's a fight that's going to resurface. And out of respect, I, I really don't want to have that conversation. So I'll, I'll leave you with this. Did you ever see Kenny and me on MMA Live on ESPN2 when we were on TV back in the day doing a weekly news and information show? I'm going to say no. So we were on. That's okay. No, that's okay. So so we were on in the UK, in the United Kingdom, for six months before we ever hit TV in the US, right? So I go on Michael Bisping's podcast yesterday, (laughs) and he says, he goes, not only did I really hate you on that show, but I hated you to such an extent that I told my wife that if I ever saw you in person, I'll take the assault charges. I would have punched you in the face. 
that's why I love that guy. That is outstanding. That is, that is great. Wow. I didn't know you could have such an effect on people, John. That's crazy. Well, I mean, I I was acutely aware of the fact that I could have that type of effect on people. But you just don't expect to hear it from one of your your dear friends several years after the fact. But I'm glad he saved it for a podcast platform so you could get my organic reaction to uh, to being really legitimately vilified and hated by someone who I have a great deal of respect for. What are you going to do? That is unbelievable. That is, <laughs> that is really, you got to love that guy, man. He shoots from the hip. Yeah, he does. No, of course. Hey, real, before we forget, I want to throw one thing in that. I think, I, I can't believe this is, I think it's gotten some attention, but not, not, I don't think the proper attention. That Matthews fight with that guy oh, yes. getting his eyes gouged out. I don't know, I don't know how this guy's not suspended. And if you, I know I didn't see it completely but i saw the ref's legs he was standing right over him. i mean he had yes he even he said it a, he verbally right? said get your hands out of out of his eyes it's like what do you when you look at that replay kenny that is unreal yeah. what that guy did in today's day and age yeah there is just absolutely no place for that and i mean i commend matthews for being a gentleman um, but I got to tell you, man, anything short of a suspension for that, I think is, is not right. And to give the guy the, the bonus for that, I, I'm, I don't, I don't know what I'm even thinking, but that was, that was brutal, man. He had like both hands. I mean, you know, you, there's going to be a time you're going to look up skull fucking and it's going to tell you to go to work <laughs> oh. that way. You know what I mean? Like, it, that's how bad it was. I mean, I, I, uh. it wasn't even, there was no even hiding it. It was like, I'm just going to pluck out your eyeballs. All so. So the referee in question, Mark Simpson, had a good angle, right? And he said after the fact, he's like, you know, if it happens again, you're going to be docked a point. It was like, if, if it you happens take again, that like, eye out of his head, yeah, I'm yeah, going to stop right. the he fight. Easily, yeah. exactly. I, I, my biggest issue with it. Come out of his head. Yeah, that's it. Point yeah. <laughs> point <laughs> deduction. Yeah, yeah right. Jimmy Smith said on the broadcast, maybe if he gets a third finger in the eye, uh, <laughs> they'll they'll take a point away. But buddy, you're in big trouble. <laughs> but Ray, there there are a lot of different angles to this. First of all, obviously Jake Matthews, <clears throat> as you heard in our post fight interview, being more put off by the fact that Jing Leung was grabbing his gloves than actually the eye gouge. Right. Yeah. That's part of the equation. Um, I do think that on TV it looked worse than it actually was, even though I'm not trying to defend the act, right? I was surprised that they gave him a bonus when they could have just given Jake Matthews a performance bonus and then given one to Tyson Pedro or somebody else, right? Um, But at what point do you give an inherently clean fighter who maybe didn't even know what what he was doing here trying to get out of a guillotine choke, right? At what point do you give that fighter the benefit of the doubt and not just suspend him when he's trying to fight off a choke in an MMA contest, Ray. No? Right. Well, that, that's what makes it bad is that he was in a bad position. Like when you're, you know, like fighting and you extend your hand and the fingers are open, the guy comes in and he gets eye poked, that, that's more to me like an accident. But when a guy has you in a, in a submission hold where right. you're going to lose the fight and you resort to that, that's when I think you have to step in. You know what I mean? No, I agree. So, and and the fight yeah. should have been stopped right there. And as we said on the broadcast, even if Lee Jingliang had gone on to knock Jake Matthews out, 
every commission in the world is going to overturn that and make it a DQ win for Matthews or at worst make it a no contest. So once yeah, that foul plus, happened, Lee Jingliang was not walking out of there with a win. So, yeah, um, plus, John, John, you have to send a message so that doesn't happen again. Like, yes. If I'm a fighter. I agree. Choke, I might as well do it. Let me stick, let me stick my thumb in the guy's eye and what am I? What am I going to lose? I'm not. I'm not going to tap. I'm right. Let go, and then I'm going to. You know, I'm not. Maybe not even get reprimanded. Lose a point. I don't know. So I think right. that's the time to jump in, set an example. Because from the TV, and I wasn't there. You're bringing up a good point. Um, you know, he. It just it looked pretty bad. I was like, oh, wow. And I I yeah. saw the ref's legs. Like like, what are you looking at, buddy? You got to jump in there, grab his hands, do something. Yeah. I thought, you know, and I wonder if Matthews. Just the emotion of everything, you know, downplayed. I mean, we know he's tough. The Aussies are, are tough as nails, but I, I don't know, man. Maybe you're right. Maybe it wasn't as bad, but, you know. So he gets the bonus and a gift certificate to Sterling Optical. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really not trying to, to minimize it, right? I feel like Matthews, he's trying to execute a choke. So, again, he was more focused on the, the glove grabbing, which he thought was giving Jing Leong an advantage, right? I think with all of these fouls, I know – the eye gouge was very graphic, and if you show it to casual MMA fans, forget about it, right? An awful visual. But yeah, all of these fouls, right, There's not, they're not de-incentivized enough to grab the fence. You know, you, you grab the fence one time in a fight and prevent a takedown, as Tyron Woodley did one time against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. You know, you, you prevent one little thing from happening in a fight, and it can be the difference in winning and losing. So, Without a doubt, without a doubt. And I'm sure back in the truck they were saying – Let's give this guy the bonus. This could be a big lawsuit coming. Let's let's make him happy. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, that, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I, you I, knew I, Jake I, was getting a bonus one way or the other, but yeah. I wasn't. Yeah, I was I, with you. I, I was, I was very surprised to see uh, the leech get a bonus. All right, my man. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for the time. We're we're right back at it here on Monday. So uh, you know, keep that flip phone handy, okay? <laughs> I, will, I will do. And Kenny, congrats again, buddy. Hope everything Thank, goes good. Thanks so much. I'll be working the desk with uh, your guy Chris Wadman this weekend. So excited oh, about that. Desk. Yeah. That in Texas, right? And uh, it's in Texas. We'll be in Los Angeles, but uh, yeah, the fights are in Austin. Oh, big stuff, yeah. man! All yeah. right, great. All right, awesome, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, buddy. All right, there he is, the great Ray Longo. Ray Longo, minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Chris Wadman. I uh, won't be in the lead analyst seat, incidentally. Uh, Kenny will be in that seat, but Chris Wyman will be on the end of the desk there uh, as an analyst this weekend. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's Can't resist. I saw him in Perth. Wait till you see the scar on that thumb. Oh. Just try to look at it out of the corner. I saw eye. it in New York, dude. It was crazy. Yeah. 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 Tough, Beast. Tough but uh, no, excited to have Wyman on the desk. I, I, he's really evolved into a good analyst and, and look forward to him getting that yeah. opportunity. All right. We got to get out of here. Special thanks to my man, Michael Davis, at the controls today. Seamless with a new guy, man in the ship. So we appreciate that, MD. Uh, everyone at Fox Sports, thank you very much. Quick turnaround for us, Flo. So put the diapers down. We're back on these airwaves in less than 100 hours. We'll look back, of course, at what happens in Austin, Texas, and preview Fox UFC Fight Night in Orlando, which is coming up February uh, 24th. Uh, with that, for the new daddy, congrats, kid. Get some sleep, man. My best to Clark, and uh, I look forward to hearing how the weekend goes on Monday morning. Kid. Thank you, dude. I'm going to go get some coffee in me, man. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do it. Thank all you. right. Thank you all for listening, for subscribing, for watching. We appreciate every last one of you. Uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Until then, you'll later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. 
sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.